Let's keep calm and mother on. Mothering is way too important to do alone and way too serious to be serious all the time. My name is Christy Thomas, and I am here shoulder to shoulder with you, mothering and enjoying life together. This is the podcast where you can focus on being mindful and taking a deep breath with me and learning new things so you can pause and savor the amazing life you already have. Now let's go. Well, I am so excited today to welcome Claire Lerner. She is the author of Why Is My Child in Charge? Welcome, Claire. I'm so glad to have you here. I'm thrilled to be here. So as I was just telling you before I hit record, I am so thankful you wrote this book because uh, I could have used it, especially in those early days of my girls being 18 months apart with a deployed husband. This book would have really made me feel much more confident and seen. <laughs> so thank you for writing this. Well, you're welcome. And, and as I said, I also wish I had had this wisdom in 2020 hindsight. Um, but, you know, it's it's my gift to parents getting started, Yeah, hoping that we can prevent a lot of the power struggles and pain and suffering that doesn't have to be that's that's really really my hope is sort of giving back that's i i see it in this book like as i as i read it my kids are 15 13 and almost nine and there were some phrases in here that i know i'm gonna use even with that age group so what's your target audience of this book just to get that on the out there for everyone right so the cases in the book, so it's all based on my practice, which is largely families six and under. Okay. Um, however, many parents have read it with older children because I do see older kids in my practice, usually siblings gotcha. or kids of kids have grown. I saw the family when the child was four and now they're seven or eight. And those families benefit as much because I'm really talking about key concepts and mindsets and strategies that actually work with children of all ages, but especially kids, I would say, through elementary school. Yeah, I can I can see that. The biggest thing I took away is you help parents tweak their thinking so they're not adversarial with their kids anymore. And so yeah. is that... Is that what you try to do? Tell, why did you decide to write this? Well, it's a good question. It's a fair question because there are so many <laughs> parenting books out there and many, many excellent parenting books. The reason I, I decided to write it because I did feel like I had identified some pretty significant insights that were additive to the really mm -hmm. good books out there that help parents understand, you know, toddlerhood or discipline or brain development. Mm -hmm. And what that was is this. So I've got hundreds of parents I see a year. So I've seen thousands of parents in my career who come to me to solve these typical vexing child rearing challenges, right? Mm -hmm. Around sleep or feeding or potty learning um, and so forth. And they have by and large read many, many of these books and they yep. know when they come into my office or my telehealth platform that 
yelling, bribery, losing it with your kids, threatening, even using reward systems, begging, nagging, that they know objectively and intellectually that those are not good strategies, but they're still using them because in the heat of the moment, they get so triggered that all of that goes out the window. And when I started to unpack these thorny situations, they were in the midst of, I started to identify these eight mindsets Mm -hmm. that were the lens through which parents were interpreting their kids' behavior that were sending them down this road that made it impossible for them to be the parent they knew they could be and they wanted to be. And so the book really elucidates those key mindsets and shows through my real life cases with families, how recognizing that, for example, you have no control over your child. (laughs) You only have control over you or that limits are loving and tantrums are not harmful to kids. Like once I was able to help them identify the faulty mindset and make the appropriate mind shift, that is what, that is what the key to um, responding in ways that were actually supportive and loving while preventing power struggles. And that's why I wrote the book. It feels like when you're reading the book that you're like a fly on the wall um, to these other situations that when reading and remembering what potty training was like or sleep problems with some of my kids at younger ages, reading the scenarios in the book really made me feel like the chaos in my own home wasn't so abnormal compared to the chaos in other people's homes. Oh, and that that's the other, I, I feel like, gift to families that this book is, is that I spend my days, you know, doing this detective work with families one after the other, where we're just unpacking the insanity of some of these situations, right? Like the bedtime madness with, you know, I, you know, I need you just for five more minutes, or I haven't had enough. I have five more questions or I need 10 more books. And then I promise I'll go to sleep. The, and the insanity that comes out of kids' mouths yep. when when they have to cope with the limit. Um, you know, my most recent favorite was a kid who said to his dad, who actually turned off the tablet because time was up, even though the game wasn't over. Daddy, I'm going to reach into your throat and pull out your voice box and throw it in the garbage. Right? Like the that when parents see other kids doing this kind of stuff and, you know, responding in these ways that sometimes make them feel like they're raising a sociopath. It is so validating. And that's why I did the entire book, not on theory. Exactly. But this is what it looks like in the trenches with families. And so when parents read it, they see that they're not alone. Right. That Absolutely. They don't have- yeah. Not alone at all. And that like the absurdity of the situation that the parents giving in just or like went before they work through like what the mindsets that are tripping them up. It just feels like, well, good. Someone else has done these same mistakes, even though they know better or they think they want to parent differently. Like all well, right. of it. It's not right. It helps parents see that. I-, I think what it does is because 
the way I've organized the book is I go through all the mindsets and the mind shifts, right? Mm -hmm. And then, as you know, I have these chapters on tantrums and physical aggression and sleep and mealtime where I'm taking parents painstakingly through the steps I guide parents through. And because it's not their kid, they're able to see so much more clearly the pitfalls, right? The pitfalls in getting caught in the power struggle or trying to justify your parenting limit to your three-year-old and why setting the limit is so much more loving because you can then enjoy your bedtime routine instead of dreading the moment when your child starts to push for the extra songs or the extra books and how that cascades into parents getting really frustrated and angry and mean Mm -hmm. when their whole goal was to stay calm and loving. Exactly. But if you don't have a limit that you can enforce, you end up in these protracted power struggles where now you're being exactly the parent you never wanted to be because you've lost control. So the cases and the stories enable other parents to, one, see that they're not alone and that this madness is happening in thousands of you know, homes across the country and the world. Pretty much every home has had one of these, right? Like if you have kids, I don't believe you. If you haven't ended up in one of these hurdles, like we all are pushed to our limits. Right. Um, And so a lot of it was showing families that like often what you hear about as a theory of how to do potty training or a theory of how to do sleep in the trenches doesn't always play out in the five steps that the book has (laughs) reported. And so what I'm offering to families is a roadmap based on seeing how I've helped parents unpack, understand, and solve these vexing challenges. And it doesn't always look the same because it depends on the temperament of your child. It depends on the construct of your family. Bedtime is very different if you have one child versus if you have two kids who are kind of revving each other up. Um, What do you do in those (laughs) situations where you can't do a sleep intervention because you're afraid the baby's going to wake up? And the book shows that in all of its glory that it is possible. Absolutely. And I think one of the favorite mindsets that you talked about, I think it was in the cooperation chapter, and I don't know which mindset now that I'm looking at my notes it goes to, but the idea that parents don't necessarily want to be the dictator. I see this a lot out there right now with parents not sure how to set limits. And so they say what they want and they end with the word, okay, (laughs) afterwards, can we talk about this challenge? Because I think it covers more than, um, lots of age groups where parents give a direction, then they ask for their kids to buy in. Yeah. So that is one of the mindsets, because like I said, when a parent comes to me with a challenge and we're unpacking it, I'm always trying to understand what is the lens through which the parent is understanding this behavior and what their child needs. 
And one of the things I noticed, because I did a lot of home visits, and now I get a lot of video from parents, so I can see exactly how these scenarios unfold. I started to notice that parents had a very hard time just giving their child the directions like, okay, bud, it's time to get in the car seat. Instead, it was time to get in the car seat, okay? Or, you know, um, would you like to get in your pajamas? Are you ready to take a bath? And I started to see this pattern of parents sort of more asking children for their cooperation. And while in theory, I get it, right? Parents would say to me things like, well, I want to give my child lots of choices and I want them to have agency and efficacy, but here's what happens. You get two moms in my office a while back with a feisty four-year-old. And what they say to me is exactly that. We wanted her to have agency and for her to feel her power. And now she thinks she's an equity partner (laughs) because you see what happens is If you're asking for a child to agree with your limit or your plan, they are driving the car because they sense that it's all predicated on their saying, oh, yeah, you know, it would be it would be good now for me to get in my pajamas because it's getting late. My mind and my body really needs to calm down for sleep right now. Like, no, in 33 years of practice, I've never seen a child do that. So what happens when parents start to ask? When it's really not a choice, you get into big trouble. And parents would tell me, I feel like I'm being a fascist dictator. And I started to see that, well, if you think you're being a fascist dictator, it's going to be very hard to give your child the clear direction that actually helps them make better choices. So the the main mindset that was a problem was parents feeling like giving a clear direction was being a dictator. And, and so what I say to parents is, how's your child doing in preschool? And almost all the time, the child's a superstar in preschool and a terror at home. And the reason is because the best run classrooms where kids are calm and engaged and following directions and thriving is because they've got a gentle giant as a leader, right? They've got a teacher who is super loving and super supportive and super empathetic while also being very, very clear about what the expectations are. And the kids thrive. They want to know exactly what to expect. When you start to ask a question, when it's really not a choice, Kids are actually confused about what the message is. No preschool teacher says, are you ready to come off the playground? They say, it's time to come off the playground. Would you like to be the line leader? Or would you like to count how many kids are in line? Or would you like to hold the bag to come off the playground? They give kids lots of tools and they give them lots of warnings. But at the end of the day, it's very clear what to expect and it helps kids make really good choices. So once I help parents see that, it's actually not loving to give a choice when it's really not a choice because kids don't know what the direction is. And that is when things go off the rails, right? Because Absolutely. This is the part that younger me needed to hear a lot because there was so much about give your kid choices. And so... You know, there's a difference between offering the Red Bull and the Blue Bull versus, are you ready for bath? Okay. (laughs) 
Exactly. And I think that's sort of the like the paradox for parents is that a lot of times what what our knee jerk reaction that we think is loving is actually sometimes not what your child needs. Right. And that that happens across the board. It happens in terms of giving a clear direction. It's so much better for kids to say it's time to get in the car seat, sweetie. You've got two great choices. Would you like to be in charge and go on your own? Or do I need to be a helper and help us move on? Like you, you definitely give choices. I don't in any way want to communicate that we're not being empathetic towards kids and oh, building yeah. and, you know, and giving them choices, but it's within limits. It's not giving them a choice when the choice is really not helpful to them. Yeah. So when I was reading this section and really, really thinking about it and then thinking about other great leadership books I've read, like Dare to Lead by Brene Brown, and she talks about being clear and painting it done, that your examples here um, really made it clear for me about what it means to give a good direction to our kids, because that's where kids are getting the hang up, right? With parent and parents are getting their hang up. Is what, and it, what it, does it look like to give a direction? Can you give some examples of directions? Yeah. yeah. So, so I think that what you want to be clear about is as a parent is what is the scenario that's in front of me and what is going to help scaffold this for success so that I stay in control in a loving way and don't end up being the parent I regret later right? That's where the absence of limits comes in. That's when we get mean is when things have gone off the rails because we haven't been clear. So one clear direction might be, um, let's think about bedtime, right? Things Things often go off the rails, I find. And this is what I saw when I would do home visits is that you would do the bathrooming and then the child would start running around the house like a, you know, like a whirling dervish and then everything starts to cascade, right? There's like, if you don't get in your room now and you need to stop doing that. And if you don't do this, we're not going to read books or you're not going to get any sweets tomorrow. And like all of the threats and all of that. All the things just spew out of your mouth because you're tired and you're like, come on, you know, this happens every night. Right. (sighs) And the problem is if you think about that scenario, threatening, bribes, cajoling, nagging, those are all tactics that are predicated on wanting to change your child's mind, to get you off their back or to be cowed by the threat and finally say, okay, fine, you know, it would be a good idea for me to go in my room. The problem is that means the child's in charge because (laughs) you're waiting for them to agree with the plan. Right. Yeah. That's when parents start to feel out of control. And that's when they start to lose it and be the parent they don't want to be. So now let's look at it this way. Peter, here's the deal, bud. Our plan is we're going to do our bathroom time. We're going to take our bath. We're going to brush our teeth. And then our family rule is we go straight from the bathroom to the bedroom because now it's time for our bodies to calm down. So I like a lot of this is scaffolding. I suggest to parents scaffold for success. So don't put playtime in between bathrooming and 
books because you're now getting your child real yep. question, right? Would you, it's, this is what we're going to do because right. this helps your mind and your body calm down. That's, that's reminding yourself that kids have parents for a reason. Yes. Like you do know better than them. And that's not being a fascist dictator. And that's not not giving your child choices. It's saying we're going to do dinner and then you're going to get this great half hour where it's free play and you can do what you want to do. And then when it's time to go in the bathroom, we're going to do this and you lay it out very clearly. So you don't give them a choice. You say, now we're going to go from the bathroom to the bedroom. Oh, no, no, no. But daddy, daddy, I have one more thing. I just need to go and make sure the truck in the playroom is in exactly the position where it's supposed to be. Like, <laughs> that's where that's when things go up. And it's yep. like, you know what, bud? I totally get it. Your brain is thinking about your truck. I totally hear you. It's now time to go into the bedroom that playtime is over and you just move them along and you don't fear the protest. Now, let me pause and say, often what I'll say to parents is be clear. Like when playtime is over, say, I'm going to give you five full minutes now before we start our bathroom and reading time to go through all of your things that you need to do to be able to say goodbye to your toys. Like Ooh. I we, I. I sort of bake into the plan everything you want to think about in order to help the child move on. Now, that five minutes might end and you might still have a child oh. saying, oh, one more thing. <laughs> and that's where you say, I know, sweetie, it's never going to feel like enough time. Now we're going to the bathroom. But what you find is if you stay calm yep. and you have an exit plan, which might mean do you want to go upstairs on your own or should I be a helper? You have to be prepared to have an end game. If you're waiting for your child to agree to leave the playroom and go up the stairs or agree to move from the bathroom to the bedroom, you're going to be, you're going to find yourself yep. <laughs> on that path of reacting and they're being in charge. So you really need to have an end game. And it starts with being able to say, this is what we're going to do. I totally get that you don't like mommy's rule and that you don't like that I'm not letting you go back in the playroom. I totally hear you, but it's my job to help us move. And you get your child to the bedroom, you close the door, you let them have their meltdown and you say, I'm going to start reading. And I would love a helper with reading when you're ready. You, you have to have a plan that keeps you moving forward. Yep. Because then you can stay calm and loving because you've stayed in charge in a positive way. Those are, there's so much in there that I'm sure that another mom is going to need to go backwards a little bit and rewind. So you build in, let's go back to the idea that you build in that buffer time of telling your kids to say goodbye to the toys or goodbye to the screen or wrap up whatever it is that they're doing. And you really... Like give that time to them first. That seems right. like the first step. And then the second step that I heard is that it's really important that you as the grown-up actually have a clear plan and that you're not just winging it every night. That you have a routine that you've thought about and thought that this is going to be the best way to get to bed. Exactly. So I think like in the book, that is exact. So people should know that in the book, 
that is what I'm like when I'm making these plans with parents, all these mindsets are at play. Like yes. they, we've already shifted. <laughs> Tantrums are not harmful to kids. Don't expect your child to like a limit. Limits are loving, right? We've done all this. And then to your point, what we're doing is we are, I'm a mental health professional. We are thinking very deeply about what your child needs, mm -hmm. but then we're baking it into a plan that you ultimately control, yeah. right? So, so it might look something like this. You know what, Sarah? I know. It's so hard to say goodnight at bedtime. It's never enough books. It never feels like enough songs. But this is our plan because it's a mommy daddy job to make sure that you get the sleep you need. So what we're going to do is I'm going to use this great timer and you're going to have five full minutes after book time to go over everything you want to do your last question, your last potty time, your last sip of water, making sure your books are all facing in the right direction, making sure your blankets are just right. But after that five minutes, I'm going to say our special mantra and I'm going to say goodnight. And it's your job and you're so good at it to get yourself to sleep. So yes, you are thinking about what are the important things my child needs the cuddle time the connection mm -hmm. time but at the end of the day it has to be within a plan yes. that you ultimately control right yeah that and that you're loving and calm through it that you're not you're it's just the logical plan because you're the grown-up you do know better than and if you leave if you leave it up to waiting for your child to decide that they've had enough books or they've had enough songs, then they are in charge, which is not the way it's meant to be. And that is when the anger and frustration and it's never enough. And, you know, um, you know, you're making everybody tired and you're making all of us late and that whole, all of that, vitriol comes out of yep. us that then we have to feel totally contrite about because you've lost control, which yes. is why the limits are as important for the child as they are for the parent. If you know what your game plan is and you've developed a plan that includes meeting your child's needs within limits, and you're not expecting your child to say, thank you so much for taking the <laughs> iPad away so I could do more fortifying things with my mind and my body. You know, you, you're in trouble if you're waiting for your child to like or agree with your limits. That's, that's huge. I, yeah, the limits are for both parent and child. And yeah, yeah the yeah. kid is not gonna agree. That, that's the problem that a lot of us get stuck in is waiting right. for the kid so to buy So I it. say to parents, like, if you don't have an idea in your head about like, how long is mealtime gonna be, then you find yourself in that bottomless pit of like five more minutes, to, so your child's coming back and forth from the table and now everyone's late for bedtime for 20 minutes and now you're angry because you think your child's you know, um, you know, being manipulative because they're putting off bedtime. And that's where a lot of the power struggles yes. 
really get very, very intense and destructive to everyone involved. If you know as a parent that this is our half hour, then you can say to your child, this is our half hour for dinner. It's so awesome. We love when you're at the table to share and talk. Our job is to give you lots of great growing foods. Your job is to figure out how much your belly needs. But yeah. what you need to know is when the timer goes, and I can tell you later about, well, it's all in the book, the timers I use that are visual. So kids I'm a really- huge fan of those visual timers. We've mentioned them a lot on this podcast. Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> they're critical because it actually keeps both the parent and child on track. So now, you know, they can see the red disappearing and the child starts to learn that if they choose not to sit and eat what their belly needs, and the food goes away every night at the same time, then that's when they start to make better decisions because they bump up against the boundary that helps them adapt and be flexible. It ends the power struggles and it helps kids make good decisions. And instead of mealtime being something parents dread and is just nagging, nagging, cajoling, bribing, they now can enjoy a meal time because they've stayed in charge. Yes. And then parents get to enjoy their kids and then they relax and then they can follow through on the boundaries easier because they know that this this is just going to work like they have confidence in themselves. And you know what, Christy, the, this is the irony that, it, of course, it's so easy for me to see. Right. Like I'm not there. <laughs> I'm not in the thick of it. And I know that this is hard work. I It, 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 it is. <laughs> the managing our own emotions is the biggest piece of this. But here's the, here's the irony, is that the reason almost always parents don't set the limit and stick to it is because it feels mean. Because their child then breaks down and they feel like they're being a mean parent for not reading the extra book or not singing the extra song or not letting them finish their Paw Patrol episode. And so they they cave and that begins the cascade because the child is clever. Remember, they're not manipulative. They're strategic. That's one of the mind shifts. They are, it's in their DNA to go for what they want. And it's not until they bump up against the clear limit that they learn to adapt and accept that they can't have what they want when they want it. So you see what happens is the parent starts to let go of the limit. The child starts to exploit that, um, not misbehaving, not being a bad person, but that's what's in their DNA. And what happens is then the parent gets mean. Yep. (laughs) They They were trying not to be mean, but then they get mean because they start to feel like their child's manipulating them. It's never enough. They're making the parent feel out of control. So the limits are loving. When you're in control, you can stay calm and loving. And I think the idea, the, the being able to know that you can't control, right, how your kids respond or if they like the limits, like that's the takeaway that I think that if your kids are not in this young children age group, and just reading this and really absorbing the mindsets of why you might have a hard time with limits or setting boundaries in your life. That's really what this book is about, is learning how to be in charge of who you are and what you can control. 
Exactly, which is why even though the stories I tell are from my practice, which again is largely, you know, kids six and under, yeah, the same rules apply because when I do see families, of course, who have eight, nine or 10 year olds, it's almost always the same set of issues that are at play. It's just that the child has new strategies, right, for trying to get to trying to push their agenda and things have kind of gone upside down and off the rails. And a lot of that is just rewriting the ship by recognizing that even though your child is nine now, they still need the compassion and the empathy, but they also still need you to be in charge, which is why in our society, kids aren't considered adults and ready to sort of be on their own till they're 17, 18 years old, because there's so much development that still has to take place. Yep. It's it, it's a good reminder as I bump up against some teenage things in my house. I'm like, okay, let's 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 talk about this. Let's figure out two good choices that are appropriate for a teenager versus, you know, the language for a toddler. But it it was a really, really good read. So what do you wish moms or dads take away from our conversation today? If they could have one big thought bubble. To remember. Well, I I think it's really uh, at the end of the day, it's it's really about focusing on what you control, which is you, and stop trying to control your child because it's just maddening. Since focusing on something that you actually have no control over really is very debilitating to families. And I would say that once you start to look at these scenarios and say, I can't stop my child from begging me for more sweets, but what I can do is say, I know, who would ever want to stop eating sweets? I totally get it. Your two great choices are to have your sweet after dinner or after lunch, which would you like? They lose it. You say, I get it. When you're ready to make one of those choices, let me know. You stay calm. You don't get angry. They eventually see that you mean what you say and they adapt. That's when everything changes. So focus on what you control in these moments and it will it will be life changing. I it's so reassuring to hear you say like the same scripts almost all the time here in your examples. Like, I know you don't like this. It's okay. Let me know when you're ready to pick something different. Like that, the idea that we can just use that framework over and over until it's comfortable and that, um, that we don't have to get stuck in the throwing out threats. Well, even think about it, like with teenagers, it might be, you know, I hear that you want to go out and you'd like to stay out past 11 and I totally get it. I, I, I can put myself in your shoes and completely understand your request. We've thought about it. Our decision is that our curfew is 10. I don't expect you to like it. I'm not asking you to agree with it. I understand you don't like it and that's okay. Like I'm okay yep. with you being angry because my job is to make good decisions for your health and safety. And I totally accept that you may not agree with it. And then they're like, that's it. You know, then I'm, my friends are never going to want to go out with me again because I, I know I totally get it. If you decide not to go out, that's your choice. It's either that, or you come home by 10, you decide like 
once you have a plan, yeah. you feel really good about it, you look at it objectively, you don't assess it based on your child's reaction. If you if, if you are expecting them to say, God, mom, you know, I really appreciate <laughs> that you have my, forget it. So once you accept that, you can follow this yes. and your kids then, res- once they bump up against it, they're like, fine, then I'll just go out and come at 10 o'clock and I won't get to do, okay, sweetie, that sounds like a good plan. I can't wait to see you at 10. <laughs> Once you have a firm plan you control, you can stay calm and loving and that's what your child needs. Your child needs you to be loving. They need you to be their rock and you can only do that when you have a plan that you are in charge of. So when you were parenting, because you're a parent, right, Claire? (laughs) Did you have to set in buffers so you could rethink some of these things or come up with like, did you look forward to what was going to happen of like, oh, I know my kid's going to hit this milestone soon and I need to think about it. Or did you have to like do it poorly and then come back and come up with? Yeah, (laughs) I mean, to be totally honest. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> a lot of this is 2020 hindsight. Yeah, I, 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 I a lot. Really, this book is sort of like my mea culpa. Honestly, <laughs> I was so reactive and so easily triggered. I fell into a lot of these patterns and pitfalls. And honestly, a lot of it, uh, my lessons learned were when I started to do the home visits and I started to watch sort of the stress and the lack of joy and looking at other people going through it, it became so crystal clear to me what was happening when I wasn't the main actor in that story. So I will say that it, 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 that is what I hope parents take away from this is that if you do take the time to take a step back, and you do see that there is another path, then you you have to be able to throw a monkey wrench into the reactivity. And parents hear that all the time, right? Yep. Your children need you to stay calm and loving. You need to, it's the connection, connection, connection. Yeah. And then, then when you lose it, you go to bed crying and you're like, okay, what do we do now? <laughs> exactly. And so I think what I was, what I wanted to do in this book was to, take the next step and say, yes, connection, empathy, letting their child have their feelings. um, All of that is great, but you have to be able to do that in a way where you're still able to set the limits and boundaries and tolerate when they're not happy. One of, one of my, my guiding principles is that happy children are not always happy. Yes. And if your expectation is your child is 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 always going to be happy, then it gets very hard to set the limits that are actually super loving. That that is a really good spot to end with and wrap it up with. Like you just can't have a happy kid all the time. It's not going to And that happen. and happy children, like you can't open a newspaper or a magazine or listen to a podcast without hearing about the importance of grit and resilience. Yes. Grit and resilience is built through managing life's limits and seeing that you can actually survive 
when you can't get that extra donut or when you don't get the extra story or, you know, grandma comes to pick you up from preschool instead of mommy, you can weather those moments yeah. and, and, and build that grit and resilience to tolerate when things don't happen the way you want it. And that only happens when, as a parent, you allow your child to work through the discomfort of not getting what they want when they want it. Yes. And it that's the main reframe is that mm-hmm. it's the gift that keeps on giving because when your child then goes to school and they can't be the line leader or the snack helper or the snack isn't what they wanted um, or they couldn't get the tricycle because there were only three tricycles and there are four yes. of them, they now have learned to manage those difficult emotions. And that's the gift of being a loving limit setter. I love it because I really wish there were some grownups that knew how to do some of these things that I deal with. So these lessons that we try to teach our kids, they, they're lessons that they're going to need for a long time. So the more practice we can give them now, maybe, maybe we can change the world one kid at a time that knows how to deal with frustration. Yeah, that that's the dream. <laughs> I'm glad it's your dream too, because yeah. it's definitely mine. So Claire, I love to end the podcast with something tangible that a mom can do. So do you have, we always talk about self-care and that family fun connection piece. So let's dive in self-care. Do you have any self-care ideas for a mom that's maybe stretched too thin or just, you know, that's pretty much all of us right now. Yeah. So, you know, because I'm working with families all day long and, you know, there's so, especially during COVID, so much out there about you. So much. I'll tell you what I heard mostly from moms was like, yeah, that all sounds great. They'd be reading things about meditation and do yoga and take a walk (laughs) and get out in nature. And those are all great ideas. But a lot of what I heard was like, either it was more stress, right? Like, go learn a new skill, you know, um, or, or they were like, you know, when do I have time to do this? So I'm very sensitive to really trying to help parents figure out what fortifies you. So I'm a little hesitant to put out one thing. That's okay. Yeah. I will say that for a lot of the parents I work with, it's, we get bedtime under control. So literally they can have their glass of wine and watch an old episode of sex in the city. Like really that level, if, if, if the families I work with can do that, they are doing really well. So I, I really think it's finding what brings you pleasure. And then the gift is really, once you set the limit that we're talking about, you're able the this focus on self-care and not having time for it is is less of an issue because you get back your evenings yes when you're not trapped in trying to reset it all the time it's it's the most loving thing not that you just do for your child but it's for you absolutely So so that you have the time you need and you can't extricate them when you learn to be the loving limit setter in the way we're talking about, you have time to be able to take your bubble bath or watch, you know, another episode of Gilmore Girls or whatever yes. it is <laughs> that that refuels you. So 
I, I feel like parents know what brings them pleasure. Yep. The issue is having the time to do it. And that's, to me, the gift of the book. Absolutely. So how about family fun ideas? Do you have any of those? About so, how parents no, can let down their I'll hair and enjoy. You, I'm gonna share. I'm gonna share. When you told me that I was going uh-huh. to come up with something, <laughs> I just happened to talk to two people who gave me really intro. Who just happened in my session with them? Yeah. Tell me about. Excuse me. Some things they'd done. So one was actually a grandmother who was spelling her daughter who um, was was so busy and needed a couple hours of respite what the kids wanted to do was have a picnic in her car and so they literally made this big picnic and it was like this joyful hour of the two boys five and three sitting in the front seat pretending they were going somewhere you know um eating their food, like doing something that felt like totally out of the norm, right? Yeah. Because these parents actually didn't let them eat in the car. So it was sort of this like complete fun adventure. And so I loved that idea. And the other one is related, which is having an indoor picnic where you make a meal together and you just put a blanket down in the middle of the house and you have like a family picnic and sometimes they make a fort and the kids eat yeah. in the fort. So I felt like, I mean, of course there's a million great ideas that you can No, find this is great. Internet, Novelty is I, exactly where yeah. fun is, I think. Yeah. Or the other thing I would say that kids really love is when you just like decide that you're gonna, just going to run out in the rain and instead of being sort of afraid of the rain, you embrace it. And that has led to a lot of incredible joy for kids, you know, where you're stomping around in puzzles, you're yes. collecting water and you just dress them for the occasion and you let them have at it. So that's another one that I, I really love. Those are great ideas. I love that. And they're simple and parents probably have everything they already need to have those moments with their kids. Yeah. So thank you. That's the idea. Yeah. So besides picking up the awesome, why is my child in charge book, Claire, where can people best find you online? Where would you like them to really my, my website, um, learner child development has, um, I write a lot. So in addition to the book, I've got hundreds of blogs on every possible parenting challenge that arises. My commitment is when I talk to parents and I start to sort of land on a theme that many, many parents, like, for example, kids laughing when parents are trying to correct them. That is right. That's a whole nother podcast. Big trigger. Uh (laughs) And so I then put pen to paper to help parents really understand. No, your child is not a sociopath. (laughs) Like, It's uncomfortable to them. They laugh because they kind of know they're doing something they're not supposed to, but they're on autopilot and they don't know how to stop themselves. So I do a lot of writing about these very, very typical issues that come up to reframe it and then give parents tools. So the blog is is a good way to get more content. Signing up for my newsletter, which you can also do from the website. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. 
So I've got a lot of, you know, social presence and um, I put out a lot of content on a weekly basis. So those are all good ways to stay connected. That's awesome. I can't wait to go check out your blog because, yeah, those those common moments the kids may grow up and change, but you still you can still be trapped in some of those things. So. Oh yeah, and like you, parents, they're very relatable. It's like one that went viral was in all caps, and it was just called "I said I want the Red Bull" because it was like the insanity that ensued for a certain group of kids who become very inflexible. And even though it's the very same Cheerios in the blue bowl and not their favorite red ball, they go ballistic. And so a lot of my articles are helping parents understand what what the meaning of their child's behavior really is, how to decode it so they can respond in ways that are more effective and loving and not just based on sort of the external insanity of the irrational behavior. Well, I appreciate you for helping us pause and think about our thinking and so we can be more proactive and really enjoy the season yeah. of parenting. So that's, thank that's you, Claire. My goal. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a, a very fun, spirited discussion. Um, and I, I hope it helps. So this episode was recorded back in September, actually on Claire's birthday. And I am so excited to share it with you now. Because as we move into the holiday season, this is the time where we really need to slow down and remember that your kids need you to be the gentle giant and provide loving limits. This upcoming season is one full of new experiences and family that you haven't seen in a long time. So decide ahead of time, give yourself some space Go on a nice long walk or stay up late with your husband or your partner and talk about the things that are going to matter in the next 60 days as we wrap up the year. I am so glad you're here. Seriously, I don't take your time for granted at all. And you are exactly the right mom for your kids. I am so proud of all the things that happen every day because of you. You are doing amazing things and I want to give you a giant hug and help you see the good that you're giving and how valuable you are. I like you just the way you are. Now go have an amazing weekend and text someone else. Give someone else a pep talk and send this podcast to them if you think it would help. Bye everyone. See you soon.